Good morning, everyone. Thank you, sir. My name's George. I'm a pastor here. Uh, let's open up with a word of prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for this morning. We thank you uh, for uh, the privilege of being able to gather as a family, your family. And um, I pray for a quiet heart. We're here. We're listening. Uh, we pray that you speak uh, this morning. We love you. It's your name. Amen. So the last couple weeks have been a lot of fun, right? We've had a good couple weeks as a church. We came out of Christmas and we fasted and we prayed together for um, three days. And then we came together as a church. We broke the fast. It was a celebration. It was a commitment to God and saying, we're yours. And we did it with a little bit of art. We did a spoken word after that. We shared stories about how the Holy Spirit was moving, how God was speaking to us, and we celebrated. It was cool. Going to church is fun, right? Amen. Maybe joy feels a little more theological appropriate, but still, we're having a good time. It's fun participating in the kingdom. We heard Holy Spirit stories uh, last week. We had Max Davis come in. He told us how the Holy Spirit was moving. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I just was thinking... How do we connect the dots? How do we keep some of the momentum? What does it look like in real time? How can I experience more of God every day? For my part, how do I posture myself, my heart, so that I can hear his voice, so that I can move in step with him? That has to be a magical formula, right? Well, I think uh, as we talk about this as a church in this prayer series... I think one word comes to mind. As we come to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and we pray, honesty. Come honestly into the presence of the Redeemer. Be honest. I think if we do that, we'll experience the love of God through prayer, through corporate worship, through reading the Scripture together. God shows up. Jesus shows up. He loves us. He knows our hopes. He knows our fears. He knows our desires. He knows us. And what we need to know about him is that he is our father and would do anything for us. He'd protect us. He would die for us just like a father would for his kids. But more than that, there's something much more. He gave his son for us, for you and me. And that's the kind of love that I don't think I'll ever fully understand in this lifetime. But I get a glimpse of it when I come honestly before the creator of the universe And I can speak to him with my finite language, express my finite ideas, my finite whatever I got to an infinite God. It's a humbling thing. And I think prayer is primarily the way that we experience God's love. God affirms for me all the time that I'm his beautiful child. And that's awesome. I think... uh, When we talk about prayer, I think there's some attitudes or postures that we can have when we are, when we're praying. I think uh, when we come to prayer and we come to the Father, I think we need to come honestly. And we're going to talk about that a lot more uh, this morning. Come honestly. There's no one better to be fully honest with. He's not going to share what you shared with him with someone else. He won't look at you weird. On top of that, he already knows. He knows your heart. And sometimes it's just good to get it out there. Talk to God. I think another way 
is that we can come confidently. You see, Jesus referred to God the Father as Abba, as Dada. So you can come confidently. You can trust him. I thought about this in my own relationship. The uh, My daughter and son trust, uh, there she is. She just perked up. My daughter's just like, oh, heard my name, Georgia. My daughter and son trust Terry and I. And there's that, there's that relationship where they're confident in who we are because they know we're going to take care of things. Our family loves snow, okay? I apologize, but I pray for snow every day, okay? <laughs> so Friday, you got out and played, right? On Friday, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. We grilled out on Friday in the blizzard chicken wings. It was awesome. But to illustrate this, how many of you are familiar with the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Yes, it has a reputation. It's legit, okay? So we were driving home uh, from Christmas, and we stayed in Mackinac City. And Mackinac City is uh, right before Mackinac Bridge, which is beautiful. And then you come and you drive over the Upper Peninsula, and it's gorgeous. You know, Michigan's gorgeous. And I said we love snow. And we spent the night in Mackinac City, and then it was supposed to snow the next day. And I was like, hey, this will be a great adventure, okay? This will be fun. We're listening to Fellowship of the Ring on CD in the car. The, uh, the, the fellowship has just gone into, you know, the mines of Moria and it's going to be great. It's a little bit of adventure. We get on Mackinac Bridge. It's kind of white out. You can't see like either lake very well. I was like, yeah, this is cool. There's a wind advisory, you know, adventure. We get over on the other side of the bridge. And then we start to hear the drum beating in Moria, right? So there's a correlation here. Like the orcs are coming, okay? Because the snowflakes start coming down in big slushy things like this and just start pounding the car. And I have accumulation on the car and snow's coming down like uh, seven inches per hour. It was just hitting us, right? And it gets worse and I'm like, okay, I hear the drum beats. I hear something like this is starting to not be so cool anymore. Like I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. And then all of a sudden Gandalf the Belrog shows up, right? If you know what a Belrog is, it's this demon that uh, um, Tolkien uh, wrote about. And they're running towards this bridge. They're trying to escape Moria. And the Belrog is coming on this bridge. And the bridge is like this. And Gandalf is standing there. And he's going to have a standoff with this demon from the deep, right? And he pounds his staff into the bridge and says, you cannot pass. And at this time, I'm like, wipers, go faster, go faster. It's so white, I can't see anything. But we looked at the kids after, it was legit. I've had like three hairy drives in my life and I've been in outer Mongolia and had the car sideways going down a vertical slope, pulled it out, it was all right. But uh, this was number, th- that was number two. This was number three, it was legit. But we looked at uh, the kids and I said uh, to the kids um, after the uh, drive was done and it added like six hours to our drive time trying to get through there. They had no idea what was going on. I said, like, did you know that we almost died like three times on that trip? <laughs> Georgia and Joseph trusted us. They're completely confident that mom and dad got it. When you come to God the Father, come confidently. Give him your heart. Know that he has it. And I'm not trying to compare myself to the divine. And I'm pretty sure God's not nervous as he's working behind the scenes. But he is working behind the scenes. There's a larger story that your story fits into. Come confidently. And I think lastly, and we're going to talk about this, when you come in prayer, come conversationally. Prayer isn't a laundry list of um, things that you want God to do for you, okay? 
It's a conversation. We see that in the theme. It's a meta narrative. It's a theme in the Bible. And you look at people who pray, starting with Abraham all the way up to Jesus. And we're going to look at Jesus. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue about God. What do you want for me today? Where do you want me to go? Your heart. I want to know the things of your heart, but it's honest. It's honest conversation. And I think it's in conversation where you encountered him. We have opportunity to come to him in dialogue, talk about our life, our joys, our sorrows, our hopes, our fears. We have a whole book in um, the Bible called Lamentations. You can come with your sorrows. You can be honest and say, God, I don't get this. Prayer is kind of mysterious, right? It's beautiful in multiple layers. It's textured, but it's also kind of mysterious in the, I don't understand what's going on around me, God. That's okay to come to God and say David does that a lot. I love praying through the Psalms, through that scripture. And if you've never done that, if you're new or wherever you are in this journey of prayer, pray through the Psalms. It will change how you pray. I want to do that right now. Let's look at Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through generations. It's the word of God coming to life. You see it, the truth, the mystery. It's beautiful. How many of you, when we read through scripture... The passage that you got and you read or you were listening, you walked out of the sanctuary and just felt like God had given you a gift. We heard multiple stories of that. There's a reason why we started out the year speaking the word of God out loud. Because there's a big difference in just reading the word and then speaking it out loud as a congregation. Multiple stories that we heard of tears, both joy and sorrow of the passage that uh, people were reading People were watching it on live stream. We heard people, people who came in the sanctuary and listened and they were moved. And then we shared stories about what we learned. We're going to do that in community hour. We're going to share some stories because God is still working through the scripture reading. Maybe he's been working in your heart. You had some time to reflect and he's speaking new things. So we're going to share some of those stories. It's our way, fasting, prayer, scripture reading, It's the honest conversation. It's the way we say, God, I want to know your heart. That's part of the conversation. I think worship through song is a powerful way to pray. That's what we're doing here this morning. Most of our worship songs are right out of scripture. They have scripture references over and over again. God tells us to sing a new song. And that's birthed out of joy and gratitude for what God has done for us. His faithfulness, his nearness to us, right? A lot of that's hindsight, but we can see that. God reminds us who he is through songs. His awesomeness, his power, who we are as his precious children. If you never use a time of worship in your prayer, we're going to practice this. We're going to be really practical because as I was connecting the dots... I want to be practical. How do we do this? So at the end of the service, we're going to do some worship and we're going to pray through worship as a practical practical experience. We're coming together. This is our opportunity on Sunday morning to say, God, we're yours. 
commit ourselves to God. Here's the thing. As you go deeper in your faith and as you continue to pray through things, something in your heart transforms. Your heart starts to become more like God's heart. You start wanting the things that God wants. That's what the prayer life is about. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at his conversations with God. Before we do that, I want to pray through one of our hymns and just um, give ourselves to Jesus this morning. (sighs) Father, we pray this prayer, this hymn. O soul, why are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and a life more abundant and free. Through death into everlasting life he passed, and we follow him there. Or a sin hath no more dominion, for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe in him, and it will all be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Jesus, we turn our eyes upon you. We look full into your wonderful face, and the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Amen. We're blessed with the words of Jesus, and specifically we're going to look at his prayers this morning. Jesus is presented in the Gospels as the ultimate dialoguer with God. He's in conversation with God all the time. And we begin considering Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. This is what it says. This is hours. I want you to think about this. This is hours before the crucifixion. This is his prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave, that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That's a powerful prayer. And we're invited into that prayer. I want to pick out a couple things in that. Just leave that up for a second, okay? Look, Jesus requested that our relationship with God would be like him and the Father. Those, how they experience that ultimate communion. Look at this. May they also be in us. That's in verse 21. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity in verse 23. Don't fail to notice the astonishing result should Jesus' prayer be answered at this point. So that the world may believe that you have sent me in verse 21. And to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So in other words... When we are in answer to the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, experiencing the same kind of oneness with God the Father and the Son experienced in Jesus' earthly existence, what happens? The world comes to know Christ. That's Jesus' prayer for us. And when we are in communion with God and Jesus and the Spirit like that, that is the result. Perhaps one of the most telling Verses, passages about Jesus and his intimate dialogue-like relationship with the Father and how it, this impacted the way he served 
the Father is in John 8, 28, 29. Jesus says this. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know who I am and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent uh, me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Then again, let's John 12, 49 through 50. Jesus says this, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to do, to say what to say and how to say it. So he knows that this leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So the Son of God did and said nothing on his own. This is Jesus we're talking about. He only spoke what the Father taught him and even only did so in the way that the Father told him how to say it. What's the result? Jesus' oneness and uninterrupted communion with the Father enabled him to do what the Father wanted. He pleased the Father. The kingdom came from Matthew 6.10. And God's will was done on earth as it was in heaven. We're invited to the same type of relationship. We're invited to pray the same thing. But now I have a question. How can we pray like this? So that we are in conversation with God all the time. What can we learn from Jesus' example? So our life looks like a life lived with Jesus. We're walking with him side by side, working out next where we're going to go according to his will. One of the things uh, we learned from Jesus is that he had one simple rule. Inquiry. He inquired every day, Father, what's your will for me today? I want to do your will. I want to know your heart. That's our prayer. God, we want to know your heart because you have ours. So we're going to go um, to a narrative in Matthew 26, 36 through 42. Jesus is praying passionately in the light of his pending crucifixion. Matthew records the first two prayers of Christ to the Father in verse 39 and 42, and then states that Jesus repeated the second and 42, and prayer also, his third prayer uh, later in the passage. But this is Jesus. Notice the change of heart as he prays. This is Gethsemane. Jesus, first prayer in Gethsemane. Going a little farther, he fell to his face on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. His second prayer. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. His third prayer. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. The single common denominator in these prayers for Jesus in Gethsemane is his resolute devotion to the Father's will. However, there's a little bit of a difference in how this changes. Christ acknowledges that it is not possible for the cup of suffering to be removed for him. Mark 14.36 Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. No one understands better than God how difficult it can be for a human 
a simple human like you and me to embrace the will of God. And no human has suffered more in embracing the will of God the Father than God the Son. When Jesus calls us to follow him, whatever the cost, he's not calling us to do something that he is neither unwilling to do or has never done himself. That's your power. When you pray, transforming your will to his, Jesus shows up in that. Something far greater happens. I believe in this passage, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before the cross, heaven met earth. I think we get a glimpse of eternity in this passage. I've prayed this prayer many times before. But I've prayed one clause probably more than others. I haven't been completely honest. I've prayed, God, please, please remove this cup from me. And I think about Jesus on his way to this, on the way to his cross, kneeling before the Father, literally, blood, sweat, and tears. And I think about that, and I don't think I can, I will never be able to understand that in this life. What's happening in the spiritual realm during those final hours? I'll never really be able to understand what, it's, what it costs. Is it okay for me to pray, God, remove this cup from me? It's in the Bible. Yeah, I can pray that. But what I've come to realize is I can't pray that out of context. I can pray, remove this cup from me, but only if I'm willing to pray the last part. But not my will. Yours. That's our prayer. That's a meta-narrative of the prayer life. Our heart becoming more like God's heart. That's the theme of our conversation with God as a church. That's why I want to leave us with this morning. As you're figuring out your story and how your story fits into God's larger story about where you're going together, inquire of him. Be honest with him. You can be honest. Tell him you're afraid. It's okay. That's part of the dialogue. We join God the Son in praying to God the Father, your will be done. And in that, with our mind, body, and soul, we want something else, and we wish God's will could be done in a completely different way, and we're afraid, yes, we can pray that first part of the prayer. Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me but only if we're also willing to pray with Jesus these humble words. Yet not what I will, but you will. As we think about as a larger body, there's some things that are before us. We are moving, trying to walk with God and be closer to his heart to know his will for us. And there is power in corporate prayer. Sunday morning is a very real and public way for us as a church to commit ourselves to God. That's what we want to do this morning because it seems appropriate that in this series on prayer, we inquire the Lord for what is next for us as a church and that we do it together. I'd like to close with us praying this corporately. As a church inquiring of God, what is next for us? By praying together the greatest prayer ever prayed by corporately pledging that we, Wyzetta, as a church, are God's. That we trust him and love him and give himself, give ourselves to him as a church. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to worship and pray as we close, but I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray this prayer from Gethsemane. And after we pray, just remain in your seats a little bit, and we're going to take some moments of silence.
Because one of the things as we're listening to God, one of the things that can be most scary is that in order to listen, we have to be quiet, right? We have to stop talking. So we're going to just have a couple moments of silence and pray and dedicate ourselves to God. Father, not my will, but yours. So we're going to put that up on the screen. Let's pray this out loud together as we close, and then we're going to go into worship. Father, we want what you want. What will you have of us? Not our will, but your will. Amen. Thank you, Andrea. We started this inquiry process together this morning, this prayer process. Let this be our posture for this next week. As you go out on Monday, Tuesday, not my will, but yours, Father. I surrender all to you. And in part of this honest conversation, take time. We're distracted. We live in a noisy world. Take time to be by yourself so that you can hear the word of God speaking to you. And I do want to say something because I know this is true for me. As you go out and you are silent and you are quiet and you start surrendering all, there might be a little fear. There might be a little anxiety because you'll hear other voices. You'll hear voices come up and say, you know what, George, you're not that awesome. You're not that great. Look at this. Look at that. George, you're a loser. But that's not the voice of God speaking to you. God always speaks to us in love, even when he corrects us, and he does correct me a lot. He still speaks to me in love, and one of the first things that I hear when I'm silent and I surrender to him is, George, I love you. You're my beautiful son. Here's the thing. When I've been experiencing God's love for me, I'm able to love others. That's it. When I have been experiencing God's, God's love, I find I start passing it on and I start to love people in ways I could not before. You get this, you get the process of inquiry and submission. That gives me the courage to pray, Father, Abba, I love you. I'm yours, not my will, but yours. God loves you. We're going to continue dedicating ourselves after the service during community hour. We're going to continue in worship with song. We're going to read scripture from John, the Upper Room Discourse, John 15, 17. We're going to take communion together. And then we're going to share stories because maybe God's spoken to you this morning. Maybe the last couple of weeks as you fasted and prayed, we want to share corporately what God's doing. Okay? So you have a great week. God loves you. Blessings. Mm-hmm.